0: 76 down, 289 to go. My name is Chris. This is At A Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I have Ned Snark on. We are gonna be talking about the movie, The Quiet Man. But before I go any further, I wanna tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at popstores.com. That's P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com. That has over, get this, 100 flavors available. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything in any size. And best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors to try so many good ones. I've had pizza, Chicago style, which is a mix of that caramel and cheddar. Uh, I also had the salt and vinegar, which think is my favorite. Look, this is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies. Now that concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com and use the promo code movies with Chris, you will save 25% off your entire order. That's movies with Chris, all one word, C-H-R-I-S. Go check out their flavors right now. Okay. I have Ned Stark with me. We're talking about the John Wayne film, the quiet man. Uh, we both saw this movie yesterday at separate theaters Ned's in Florida. I'm in New Hampshire. Ned, what did you think about the quiet man?
1: First of all, Chris, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Um, this is always a, it was always great fun. And I enjoy discussing the classics with you, um, as the elder statesman here. So, uh, I kind of like playing that role. You're my but go-to was, for classic uh, movies. Wow! Uh, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> But the, uh, so The Quiet Man, so f- for those of you who've never seen it, it is pretty much a a, a TCM Turner Classic movie staple on St. Patrick's Day. Also when they run Maureen O'Hara or John Wayne uh, festivals, this movie always plays up. This is my favorite John Wayne movie and I'm not a big John Wayne guy, but I do like John Ford movies. So uh, we saw it at the, our Regal Theater, the same place that, was, that hosted the um, Casablanca uh, film back in uh, February or January. Um, this time though, Chris, a bit disappointed with the turnout. I think we've discussed it before, but I had a pretty good, uh, the theater was pretty full when we saw Casablanca. There were maybe 25% open seats, which was amazing for, for Casablanca when you think about a black and white film, right? Um, this was a, you know, it was a Thursday. It was, uh, you know, so it was during the, the work week. This only had four people and my wife and I were the other were the other two. So rather disappointing turnout, um, theater was in you know very good shape. The, the, the theaters in Florida are pretty fully staffed and, uh, also keeping with budget month, we did spend $22 on a small popcorn, a small water, 12 ounce water. And I indulged and got a medium icy. That was a lot of, I, I was kind of shocked by the prices. I was, that was, that was a big hit.
0: Concessions, so, concessions uh, are
1: not cheap. Concessions and budget month in in one showing it so was, it was it was a lot uh, the film itself is is one of one my thing about the crowd
0: favorites. first though right so you mentioned your crowd was was sparse so i will say that you saw the casablanca obviously is a movie just has has a bigger footprint on society and just kind of uh just in in the zeitgeist even now like you know you, you might see i know you mentioned like the quiet man does appear on tcm and for a lot of people is a tradition every st patrick's day but i mean casablanca is just one of those films that everyone at least has heard of. So, I mean, that's going to get a bigger play. You also, I think you also saw Casablanca on, cause how TCM and Regal, or sorry, TCM and Fathom do it is they will show the movies on Sundays and Thursdays. Uh, that's obviously Sundays usually is to get that older crowd um, that will come out on a Sunday that day. And I bet those actually are are, are more widely attended. I'm guessing that might be another reason why Casablanca the crowd was so much different than the one you saw for Quiet Man, because too, I have noticed myself the March movie theater audiences are much better than the January movie theater audiences.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that must, that's gotta be the, the effect because, uh, uh, I did see it on a, I saw Casablanca on a Sunday, but it was also NFC championship Sunday. So it was, uh, the Tampa Bay, uh, Rams game. Um, also down here in, in South Florida, the weather is great. It's beautiful. Uh, st patrick's day and st patrick's day night are big nights out so uh in our town where we live people are out in the pubs so they're not probably going to the movie theater right true so what you said makes perfect sense that that has to be factored in but overall the, the cinema uh it's eight it's an eight plex cinema and they were it was pretty sparsely populated every all the big the spider um the batman was playing and all the, the top run movies were playing but it wasn't crowded at all so See, yeah, I had, I had I the I was, opposite
0: experience myself before we get movie real quick is I was going to go and grab, grab a soda or just grab something from the concessions, even though it is budget month. I was like, ah, I'll, I'll splurge. Uh, but the line, when I got there was so long and that has never happened the entire time I've done this. This, this endeavor here where I, I walk in and the line is, is so long. I, I, I have a second thought about getting concession. So I just end up just going right to the movie theater. So um, that was good for So it helps uh, me for budget month was the, uh, that line. Uh, but yeah, so what do you think about the movie? Quiet man, where, where are we with this?
1: Okay. So it, as I mentioned, it's one of my favorites. It's a solid B. Interestingly, again, I noticed this with Casablanca as well, seeing your favorite films when you've only seen them on the small screen on TV, no matter how big your screen is at home, it's still, small screen um you see little minor details that you don't pick up when watching television like um i noticed that the the bathrobe that john wayne wears in many scenes in the film is pretty shabby a shabby it has uh it has patches on it and it's got stitching in it that you can see where they're repairing holes i don't know if that was his own garment or what but it was that that cracked me up also um I noticed that some of the backgrounds, though filmed on location in Connemara, Ireland, uh, out in the Western part of of Ireland, uh, there was a lot of studio shooting as well, because you could see on the big screen, which you don't pick up on the small screen, the the false backdrops, right? Um, Some of the outdoor scenes, it, it was pretty clear, but a lot of it too was clear that it was shot during terrible weather, uh, and uh, uh, difficult circumstances. And, and I've been reading in the notes to the liner notes to the film and it was shot during, you know a, a pretty big thunderstorm, rain showers, or just a misty rain. So there was some challenge in, in the location shooting in, in that regard. The film did go off on schedule. Um, it's known as like um, John Ford who directed the film. It was kind of his pet project. He's been working on this for a long time. Um, and uh, he had the rights for about 10 years. Uh, and then finally got the funding to uh, to make the film for republic so it was a big deal he brought his of players um the, the film is so different for for a john wayne character he plays a retired boxer in his late 30s um who was about to go for the uh the uh the light heavyweight championship in the u.s when he kills a man in the ring so he decides to leave boxing um he was uh he was born in this little village in Ireland and he decides to return there later on uh and, and settle down and kind of leave his past behind and of course he runs right into the middle of uh, cultural clashes uh family disputes uh, uh class issues the IRA is mentioned uh it's it's a it's a great film um uh, and and maybe a little dated for its time but I still like it
0: yeah. I, I, didn't really love this movie. Uh, so I have no real connection to it. Um, I, I, my parents were not like my dad was never a big John Wayne guy. So I've actually seen very few John Wayne movies. I think I've only seen a couple of them. Uh, and so I never watched this movie growing up. I'd never seen it before. Um, I enjoyed the first half more than the second half. Um, you know, if you, you know, you know, if you go to like TV guide, you see like a little like synopsis of the film in like two sentences. Like I was thinking watching this, like a synopsis of this film could be like, town drives man to violence. Like the John Wayne character's movie becomes such an asshole by the end of the movie in a lot of ways. When I, I liked this guy a lot better when the movie began. So uh, it, it's a bizarre, I, I'm kind of, on some level, I understand the appeal. I also understand, look, the reason TCM is showing this, is the 70th anniversary. It's a 70 year old movie. So to try to attribute, Modern sensibilities and modern thoughts. This movie is really unfair. But having said that, I'm also watching this movie in 2022. I I wasn't alive 70 years ago, so I can only look at it from the prism of where we are now. So I will say, anytime you're talking about these classic movies, and this is the third oldest movie I've covered on this endeavor here, um, you know we're looking at it with unfair eyes. So I, I acknowledge that off the bat. Having said that, um, you know, let's let's kind of take that first one of the first things you talked about this is a fighter. John Wayne's playing a boxer who killed a man in the ring and is very distraught about it so much so that he spends a good majority of the film going out of his way, not to fight people. And he's a big guy. Like obviously John Wayne's a big guy, but in this town with the other actors they've cast him and only one other guy are really what you would consider to be like fighting shape. Like, the, you know, only two guys are really big enough to really fight. Um, and he like I said, John Wayne tries so hard not to fight the entire movie. And then it ends. So he, he's very distraught and upset and you can see psychologically tortured by killing this man in the ring. And the last 10 minutes of the movie is him and this other guy having this like comedic fight. And it's like, well, what happened to all of the the pathos and all of the struggle that you had for the last two hours? They just vanish, And now it's like, and now fighting's funny. Like, I I don't understand what John Ford's trying to tell us there. It's a bizarre ending to the movie. I know it's a classic end of the movie and people really love it, but Looking at it from like a, a modern sensibility, I don't understand what's happening. Like why why, why would they just throw everything away that the movie just spent two hours building?
1: So the, what I noticed uh, uh, watching it in the theaters as well is you pay more attention to the dialogue. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Wayne's character, Sean Thornton, is um, trying to escape the world that he, he, he had left of you know of violence in the ring and such. And he comes right into a town that has a bully. Uh, that has a a beautiful sister, um, and he is just trying to go about in a very American way of courting her and he runs into a culture clash. So, uh, he doesn't want to fight, but the, the, her brother is very provocative. And you can see, if you remember about halfway through the film, I think, um, he, he, uh, he sucker punches Sean Thornton, John Wayne's character. And that's when he has the flashback, right? He's knocked out. It's at his wedding reception. In fact, um. But you can also see too there's some moves earlier where he tries to throw a punch and Wayne throws his coat over him and just dodges it very professionally. Right. Uh so they allude to the fact that he's a skilled fighter. But he also what I found in in this the, he doesn't understand the, the 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 um the fortune, the dowry that is very important to Marino Harris' character. He can't, it's not an American thing. He doesn't understand it. And it's i I didn't really notice it until this time watching it that it's really pretty stupid they should have tightened up the writing there because he's obviously madly in love with her but he kind of refuses to see her her point in this so all of her things that were left to her were from her mother and her grandmother plus 350 uh, pounds in gold which was which was the dowry he doesn't care about the money but she does, and it's a matter of face. It's you know she she she'll lose face if she doesn't get a dowry. People in town will, will gossip about her. So they finally resolve it, and the but it's funny, Chris, because I thought the scene that you'd find uncomfortable is when he's dragging her the, for the five-mile walk right. across the field, and uh, one of the one of the uh, townswomen runs up uh, and hands John Wayne a, a stick and says, "Here's a lovely stick to beat the lovely lady with." Um, uh, today that probably would not be cut out. It was played comically. Uh, and and to, the,
0: to the credit of the film, John Wayne does—he uh, does walk with a stick for a while, but then eventually throws the stick away.
1: Yeah. So right, I mean, exactly. th- at least that's it.
0: Ford had the right, you know, the right instinct there. At least with that stick at the end, at the end result of the stick, at least.
1: Well, the conversation he has with um, with the Reverend Playfair, the Protestant, the Anglican uh, uh, minister uh, in town, who also was a was a former fighter and also recognized Sean Thornton as as. Uh, Trooper Thorn, and he knows what happened. He's the only one who knows what happened in the ring, and he understands that. But he also says to him, you know, is the the love of your wife this important? And Wayne doesn't really answer that directly. But at the end of that scene, if you recall, you know, they're about to share a drink, and he says, no, you can't have a drink now because you're in training. And then the next day, he realizes that he's got to, he might have to fight for his wife. Now, also, to his credit, you're right, by the way, because his character does change. But he doesn't throw the first punch. In fact, he's sucker punched again. He throws her fort. She opens the furnace yep. showing that, okay, you know what? I got my fortune, but we don't need it. He throws cash into the, into the furnace. And as they're about to walk home, the brother sucker punches him again. And now the fight is on. The Donnybrook is on.
0: Right. And, it, and then it's 10 minutes of comedic fighting. Right. Which exactly. yeah. it's also, I mean, I, I know it's, this may, may be unfair here. I'm being ultra critical here, but I mean, this is kind of what the show is to some extent but i uh you know he's a he's a heavy or he's a professional boxer maybe a great boxer if a great boxer fought like a regular guy like he would kill him in like three shots like he could kill him and he and john wayne has literally killed someone in a bo- another boxer so like this guy is like a superhero where they can fight for 10 minutes it was just it, the the to take like a movie that is seemed to work very hard to let us know how real this is then kind of throws all that away in the last 10 minutes for, for a kind of a long winded joke. I, I didn't, it didn't really land for me. The other element though, that I did like, and you mentioned that was the dowry stuff. So, you know, this is a little bit of a fish out of water type scenario where, um, you know, John Wayne's dating, uh, dating eventually marries Maureen O'Hara and, right she has things that are important to her that he can't understand i mean that's that's marriage to some extent too anytime you you know marry someone they're going to have things that they value that maybe you don't care or understand and vice versa and you know you need to kind of compromise and learn that and respect the other person's value the other person's things that they value um so i don't mind that that seemed to be a pretty you know message that rings true even today even though you know i don't under, and i like it too because i don't understand you know i'm a, we're, i'm american so i'm on the john wayne side where i like who cares about this fucking dowry like why, why do you why do you give a shit um so we could see it from this perspective but you got to remember oh wait like a you're in her country and b um just because you don't value it, you know, and she, and she does, it means that maybe you should learn to value it or to understand why she values it. So I I like that message a lot. Uh, I just, I just found the ending to be, I was really disappointed with the ending of it. I know, I know people love it because of the ending. Um, but for me, it really just didn't ring.
1: Well, going back to your original point, um, he, right. He is a professional fighter and you're right. A professional fighter in a street fight could easily kill someone. Um, just because they know how to punch, but if you notice in this, he doesn't. He fights like a street fight, but he doesn't fight to kill. In fact, as you point out, it's more comedic. He knows he can take a punch, and he knows he can throw a punch, and he knows how far he can go. And even at the uh, halfway through the fight, Victor McLaughlin's character, Red Will Danaher, uh gets punched and falls into the river. And Wayne says, "You know, had, had enough?" And he's like, yeah, "No." And uh, they con- so he continues the brawl, but you can see. Um, very little blood in the fight too, by the way, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of haymakers thrown direct Rice. hits to the face. Yes. No, no real blood. No, uh, a lot of body blows. No one's really hurt. Uh, the whole town gets involved. So it was a bit of a, uh, a comic aspect to it. Um, but I think that he held back cause he knew that he had to not only be, he's already, uh, given his wife face, right? He's accepted the dowry and then he's rejected it. And you see the look that Maureen O'Hara has, she says. I'm going home. I'll have dinner ready for you. And the, the look she gives the village as she walks home is, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, my reputation is intact. Now it's up to John Wayne to like save his reputation because earlier in the film, as much as he's liked and accepted by the men of the town, they aren't happy that he's not standing up to dinner. So they, they side with him, but they also think like, hey, man, you got to stand up to this guy and he doesn't and you see the scene um barry fitzgerald uh is, his character sits down on the step and like puts his head in his hands and like not crying but he's distraught so yeah there's a there's a serious tone of it but you're right the the last uh, at the end of the movie the last 10 minutes of the fight scene is for comedic effect um i don't know i, I still like it
0: <laughs> yeah i mean people do i mean I, I might be i might be alone in that one you also mentioned earlier how this was shot in ireland and this is a um this is a beautiful looking film at times. Like the, the stuff that shot in Ireland is, is, is it, it looks great. I mean, you know, obviously look, it's a seven year old movie, but, uh, but even so, in the theater is watching it like, Oh wow, that's really cool. They shot it there and and it still, it still looked, it still looked good. You know, it still looked impressive. The, the studio stuff looked awful, especially when it's so, it's so jarring. So like, you know, they would do, you know, either be interiors, uh, but even some of the exteriors they were doing, uh, on the studio, especially if they're in, if they're like on cars or whatever, in cars, rather you could see this, this, the green screen or whatever they were using in their back. Um, they probably weren't using green screen. I'm sorry. They are probably using just a, a mat. And um, it, it, it was very rough. Like, it's like, oh, why don't you just shoot the whole thing there? But I mean, I understand too, back then you, you didn't have those, a lot of times you couldn't shoot that close. Maybe they didn't have the sound for it. You needed to be on an actual sound stage. So obviously much more limited back then, but it is jarring watching it on the big screen. That is interesting. Though know, you said you watch it on TV and you don't notice it.
1: Yeah, I and I did notice and I'm glad and we both discussed that because it was very apparent um in the in the theater, the scenes that were shot in the studio. I do I, I take an exception though because I think some of the interior scenes that uh they were actually shot in actual locations, like the pub scene, Pat Cohan's pub, still in existence today. And the interior scenes were filmed there. Also, in the Denaher house, that is a real house. They actually filmed there's two uh sets in not sets but two rooms they used the the living room the entry room and then the kitchen where they're eating they had two or three scenes there and you can see it's a real home and they it's not a set um because wayne leaves the house after being rejected to to court mary kate uh and it's raining out and then you can see victor mclaughlin's character her brother come out from the kitchen from where they were eating where they originally filmed the scene and he's standing in the rain looking at him leaving that's a real house it's it's a real set uh i should say a real location but yeah the 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 other scenes it wasn't a budget issue i know that because uh ford was one of the most popular and most successful and economic uh financially successful uh uh, directors of his day so he made money for his films and and the studios loved him so he was kind of given carte blanche to spend what he needs to get a good film so maybe it was technological limitations of the day i don't know
0: i do want to talk finance of this movie i also want to talk john ford and John Wayne a bit, but uh, Ned, it is budget month. I've been working with Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. So let me give you an update here on where I am. So uh, I've now spent $2,707 for the year. That would work out to being $35.62 a day or played out over the entire year would be $13,001. I've already shaved off a thousand dollars or more since, uh, since budget month began from what it would work out to be for the entire year. However, Tom doesn't just specialize in budgets for 42 year old guys going to see movies every day. He helps people no matter what stage of life um, you're in, whether you're just starting a new job, planning for family expenses, or even setting someone up financially for retirement. Give Tom Treshock from CNA financial group, a call today to schedule a meeting with him to hear how he can help you, whether today or sometime in the future, you won't know how he can help until you can hear what he does call him today at 732-403-7747. Again, that's Tom Treshock at 732-403-7747 to schedule your meeting today. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PS Securities, products and advisory services offered through PS, member FINRA, SIPC. CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS give Tom a call today. He's a very friendly guy and he'd be happy to help you out with your financial questions. Give him a call today. Okay. Ned. Uh, so let's talk, let's talk finances with this film a little bit while, while we're here. So this was made by uh, a company called new Republic. Right. And they were known for more B movies. Um, I guess it's Republic. I'm sorry. It was Republic, uh, productions. And they were known for more like low budget movies. But as you mentioned, John Ford was very successful. Some might say you could make a case. One of one of, if not the most successful director ever, if you go by uh, Academy award wins, um, he's the only John Ford's the only, uh, director with four, four Academy award wins. And no one else has done that, but John Ford, this is, and he won for this movie. This is his fourth and final win. Um, so he went in with a very strong reputation and Republic pictures, um, gave him carte blanche, which was very rare for them to do. And it paid off for them. Um, it got them their only best picture nomination. Uh, Republic pictures would never get a best picture nomination, uh, before or after. And, uh, a big reason why obviously is, is John Ford's, uh, impact on this film, I guess. And, and for for its time, um, this was a very, uh, respected movie. Um,
1: it, 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 it is, because it, it, uh, they're estimating that $1.7 million budget for the day, that's a lot. But I don't have the receipts. Do you ever check the receipts? Because I'm not sure what it did worldwide on its gross. But they, you're right. Carte Blanche back then in, what, 1952? That's a huge amount of money to yes. spend on a film.
0: It is. It is. Well, it's a lot because, you know, going to Ireland's a big deal. Uh, It's tough to get real hard and fast data and then like worldwide box office like that. Those numbers just don't exist for movies this old, unfortunately. Um, This was an interesting year for movies. So you had uh, the movie that won was the greatest show on earth. And a lot of movie fans feel that that's a pretty weak best picture. Um, It's one of the one of the weaker best picture wins. But uh, High Noon, uh, Gary Cooper, that was also nominated Um, This movie was nominated. And then Singing in the Rain. This is the Singing in the Rain year. And this was not nominated for for much of anything. It's got very few nominations. Even though of all the movies that came out this year, I think Singing in the Rain might have had the longest lasting impact. Um, I know High Noon for a lot of people means a lot. But I mean, I think Singing in the Rain in a lot of ways is is the big winner of this year.
1: Yeah. It's also the featured film next month for Turner Classic Movies. It's not one of my favorite movies. In fact, I don't even like it. I have a weird dislike of Gene Kelly, and sorry, I just I just don't like him. Um, and I, I, I people look at me weird like that, but no, I I just don't. High Noon, though, I mean, say what you want about Gary Cooper, he's a very wooden actor. But High Noon, the story is a great storyline, and actually, any actor really could have done it. And Cooper was fifty-two. He was born in nineteen hundred, so he was he was an older man highly improbable that he'd be with grace kelly but okay that's hollywood back then a uh, great film but this film uh to me is of those uh, and by the way the greatest show on earth is a joke burt lancaster in tights that's the only thing i remember about that film terrible uh this is the best i, I think the best film of the of the ones you just mentioned um and you're right uh republic was rather a low budget third-rate, second-rate, maybe, studio at the time. Um, this was their only uh, um, Academy Award win. I'm not really sure what happened to them later. They were probably absorbed by somebody else. But Ford also went freelance after this as well. So um, and we can dig into, into John Ford because he does have a local New England connection. He was born in Cape Elizabeth, and he grew up on Mount Joy Hill in uh, in Portland, which was the... It still is, like, not the, it's like the low income area of of portland maine um his parents were both uh, immigrants from the Aran islands and from um uh, uh, the galway peninsula so his mother was from an Aran islander i mean she's she's really irish and uh his father comes from um the galway peninsula a town called spittle which is if you look at a map it's about probably 20 miles uh uh, west of Galway, I actually have been to Spittle in a po- In a pub, they only spoke Irish. In the pub, I was. It was an awesome experience. So he's, you know, he's, he was pretty well known at the time. He also went to Portland High School. He was a bulldog, and he was so renowned for uh, uh, as a football player that they uh, they ended up. Uh, by the way, he was also born uh, Martin uh, John Martin Feeney. And uh, he was uh, given the nickname the Bull because he would lower his head and bull his way, whether he was a linebacker or, or a running back. Uh, also, uh, I'm not sure what street it's on, but in the old port in, in Portland, there is Bull Feeney's Pub, which is named in his honor. But he left Maine and never looked back. <laughs> he went to Hollywood and uh, uh, got it. I don't know what drove him there. But I was trying to find in preparation for this, uh, for this uh, podcast. I tried to do some digging and find out what prompted him to leave you know, Portland, Maine and go to Hollywood. Uh, the only thing I could find that's that's close is his older brother, who's right. also in this film, by the way. He plays the old man. I think he's. I don't know what his name was, but he plays the old man who, uh, with the beard, who's in many of the scenes. And at the end of the film, he's dying, but he comes back to life and follows the fight. Um, his older brother uh, went out first and was became a pretty successful uh, actor, producer, director, and writer in Hollywood. So I guess he went out there, uh, you know, hoping to use his cachet to to get a uh, to get a spot in hollywood and immediately started being like a gopher for for a number of, of the studios at the time yeah so I
0: think that's it's exactly came, his brother's you know? 13 years older than him and did go out yeah. first it was was mildly successful i'm sure that i'm sure that's the reason a big reason why uh and john ford had had a had a great career like we said he got he won four academy awards uh he actually won six academy awards if you count the two he won for uh directing documentaries i believe so i mean yeah. just no, when you're talking four or six Oscar wins, that's rare air. Uh, and this is probably right around peak, um, forward. Now this is this for this movie, he won his fourth and final Oscar, but after this movie, he directed the searchers, which is yeah. in the AMI, uh, the AFI top 100. I think it's even like in the top 10. Uh, that's a movie that a lot of movie, uh, movie fans really love. I'm not as, fond of it, but uh, Searchers is a movie people just are, speak so highly of. And then he also directed uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance in 1962. Um, so, I mean, he had this long career um, spanning four decades of m- making movies that are still relatively known, um, which, is, which is almost improbable for a guy from, from that far back. But I feel like John Ford doesn't get... I mean, people mention the Searchers, or uh, but I feel like John Ford doesn't quite get the respect that maybe he deserves in 2022. I, I'm wondering if now we're starting to get to the point where the movies are just so in the past, like you think about it, this movie came out 70 years ago. So, you know, if you, you have to be in your 80s to even remember seeing it in the theaters. And I know in Ireland, and it has the St. Patrick's Day connection. So because of that, it gets a lot of play kind of like it's a wonderful life gets a lot of play from a christmas time but like frank capra movies aren't really in the zeitgeist even as much as they were when i was a little kid i remember people talking a lot more about frank capra and john wayne back in the 80s and 90s and now i feel like they very rarely come up unless you're talking to someone who's older
1: well you know a lot of your favorite directors hold john ford they all have a, a a common uh, uh influence and it's it's John Ford whether it's Scorsese Clint Eastwood Peter Bogdanovich actually befriended Ford late in his life when when Bogdanovich was a kid um and an up and coming director and uh, already had made I think uh, last picture show and and he's already broken in but he loved Ford and he actually would visit Ford um and just listen to him and talk film so a lot of the 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 directors that you like that are influenced I I guarantee if you ask Quentin Tarantino he would say he would You know say john ford Uh, orson welles was hugely influenced by him so uh he did make his mark i guess in the industry but you're right the general public if they speak of john ford it's like a relic of the past right which is which is sad you know we're dying off we're getting old and so those of us who remember it um we we have to we have to hope that you young people remember these things because they are pretty good take out the context of viewing it with 2022 eyes um, this is still a fun film, and and a lot of the older films that you have covered in, back in Quantum Weekend on this show, um, you know, you've got to really kind of look at them as they were in the time, and and you know, take off the veil of twenty twenty
0: two. You're right. You're right. It's impossible to do to some extent because uh, I can't imagine what life was like in seven years ago. I wasn't alive. I, I can only you know I can only tr- do my best to kind of put myself in that place when I'm watching the movie. Um, and this movie was I, I'm going to give it a C minus, but it's you know. <sighs> I, I know. Hey, I, I can't recommend it. I didn't, I didn't really like it. I gotta be honest. Um, but as much as I'm not a, a huge fan of this, you have to acknowledge where it stood in its time. This won the award for best Academy Award for Best Director, won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography. And if you're so a movie, you know, if, if you're going to the movie theaters in 1952 and this movie is there and it's, uh, it's shot in Ireland, it's in color like people that was new to a lot of people like to see, to see that, you know, see the actual real green Ireland on, on the big screen must've been quite a thrill. So that wouldn't be a thrill for me, obviously, you know, as much as it is for someone 70 years ago. So it's, you have to put all of that in context and, and at least respect the movie. Um, and I, I, I can, I can certainly respect the film. I just don't know if I, I like it or would ever want to see it again. I did want to mention John Wayne here a little bit. Um, so John Wayne, and I don't know if you agree with me here, Ned, but like, I feel like in the 80s and 90s, there were John Wayne, like marathons on cable, I would say every week, like John, you know, you put on the 80s, or early 90s, you put the TV on, whatever it is, whether it be like channel 56 here in New England or channel 38 here in New England or any of like the kind of the syndicated movie channels you might have on uh, that aren't even on cable. Um, and there would be a John Wayne movie playing at least once a week, like all the, you know, especially on Saturday afternoons, like there was just John Wayne, John Wayne, John Wayne. And now I feel like he's gone. Like I, I there's this movie, there's a you know, there's the, people know who he is. Um, but I feel like his, the impact of his movies is so much less now, which I mean, obviously makes sense, but that's one icon where I can, I can see him vanishing it before our eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He, he's never been one of my favorites. I've always found him uh, rather wooden in his delivery, uh, but he was, a you know, Ford used a troop of actors and throughout most of his films, uh, Mildred Natwick, uh, Ward Bond, just to name two in this film um, and others as well throughout his entire career. So he made John Wayne, but I never thought Wayne was was that good of an actor. And, and this one, he he does show some flexibility a little bit. Um, but even in even in The Searchers, the most iconic Western maybe ever made, um, he plays a despicable character, but he's not really stretching his acting abilities. So he just I guess he became as the Western died in the in the 50s, um, he became more of an icon. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was later rejuvenated in the late 60s with the younger directors like Sam Peckinpah and like the wild bunch and and butch casting the sundance kid so it got kind of a of a of a new look a more modern look in in the late 60s and early 70s and wayne became i think an icon of the past so i think the older generation like you know my grandparents loved john wayne my parents didn't my parents didn't like him um, um but yeah when when he, and he died in 1977 his last film the Shootest is is a pretty good movie i like it i don't love it but i do like it um, he died shortly after that was was completed. He he harkens back to a, a, a myth. By the way, he also was pretty mythological as well. He was in all the war movies too. Remember, um, not even under Ford, but under other directors. And he never served, you know. But he's he's got this iconic all-American image that really isn't deserved. I don't want to. That's off. That's kind of harsh because um, I'm sure he was you know uh, a straight arrow, but he doesn't get the, he doesn't deserve the accolades. He gets as an American icon. It's purely a film star or, or I should say a, m- a movie star, not an actor.
0: I guess to his, to his defense here though, is the fact that he is remembered as this, right? This kind of this ultimate American, right? Like, you know, uh, almost like if Ted Williams was a movie star kind of thing, but Ted Williams actually did it for that real. Was right. um, but to Johnny's credit though, the fact that we do kind of know him in that way, tells us that he's probably a pretty good actor because we, we are acknowledging him as this great cowboy this great soldier. And those are the roles he was playing. And if that's kind of the takeaway that that's a point in his behalf in this movie in particular, um, I thought he did. Okay. He's, he's never not John Wayne. Um, I think the fact that he's born in Ireland and then was either in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, it's not really clear. Um, Cause they make mention to both places and you don't really know which Pittsburgh it is.
1: Well, his if you his his grandfather <laughs> one of the best lines in the film is i knew your grandfather uh he he went to botany bay as a prisoner he was a good man too <laughs> right and his father of course immigrated they his father and mother immigrated to pittsburgh but one of the but the uh but um uh Michelin calls it pittsburgh massachusetts <laughs> so
0: it is so it would be pittsburgh pennsylvania then you think yeah because at one point john wayne does mention the steel and it's like all right well then you must be um all right so you know you're from you're you're born you're born in ireland with irish parents and then you move at a young age very young age to pittsburgh pennsylvania and you come out sounding like John Wayne, like it doesn't make any sense. Like he, there's no, I, I don't know why they just don't have him be from Iowa or from the Midwest where John Wayne was really from, like have it be. So at least the accent makes sense, but maybe movie audiences obviously didn't, maybe didn't seem to care that much. Or by that point, we're so used right. to his voice. They're like, Oh, we know what we're going to get with a John Wayne movie. Um, but I felt like he was at least putting in a little bit of an effort here with this one. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, it, it did make me a little sad though. Cause I'm thinking like, oh man, like, you know, think about the icons that we have now. Right. Like, um, you know, the Harrison Ford, for instance, you know, is, is, uh, I was talking about him on, on, on KMS, um, on Friday, like or on Thursday, he's a great actor a great action star. Right. But like in 50 years, are people going to be like, kind of like snicker and like watch his movies with a little bit like like extra judgment, kind of like I'm probably doing with this movie. Like, you know, and then will he vanish? I, I'm sure he will. Everyone vanishes, right? Every, everyone kind of disappears. Yeah. Um, but to see, like I said but John Wayne today. is one where I, I've seen it happen in real time for me.
1: Well, also, I think we have to to categorize um, Gary Cooper and John Wayne as, and even Clark Gable as a one dimensional. They're playing themselves. Even Errol Flynn, they're, you know, they they're really playing themselves. It's hard to step out. And you mentioned accents. Gable did an accent, uh, in a film early in his career. It was so bad that he just said, decided I'm never doing an accent again, including as Rhett Butler, who's from Charleston, South Carolina. He plays it with no accent. So I think they become the star instead of the actor. So it's hard to step out, but Harrison Ford is a good example, because if you look at the, the huge variety of roles that he's played semi comedic action star, uh, serious, um, empathetic, I mean, he's, he's a far better actor than John Wayne far better. He'll he'll be remembered. Like like Tom Hanks. I mean, they're just I think uh and well for us now, an older generation based on that previous generation of the Henry Fondas, the, the Gary Coopers, the John Wayne's, the, the Gables, the Flynns. So I mean you could call I mean Tom Hanks has been called um what, the Jimmy Stewart of our generation? I've I've seen that mentioned yes. many times. Right. Because he's the beloved everyman character. Yes. Um and and I but I do have to say that the the Hanks Uh, and, and the Fords are much better, even DiCaprio, much better actors than the movie stars of previous eras.
0: I do want to talk a little bit more about the cast of this movie, but before I do, Ned, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf for 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England, they are a proud family owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, Dewalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasive safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, is shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or worked work in HVAC, this is a no brainer. If you have any industrial supply questions at all, you can reach out to Tim Riggles on Twitter. That's at Tim Riggles, at T I M R I D G O L D S. Or you can go to kljack.com right now. Use that promo code, Tim, 10, Tim One Zero. You get 10% off your first online order. Yeah, you said you wanted to talk a bit about some of the cast and and how a lot of people in this cast were related.
1: A, a lot of the actors on this uh, this uh, performance were brother and sister. A lot of them were our, our, our actual Irish ancestry. So um, Barry Fitzgerald, who had already won a, I think he won one of those rare co uh, lead actor Emmys for um, Going My Way. by uh, the Bill Oscar. Crosby. He won yeah, for, for did Oscar. he win? Was, uh, it, was it was, was it, for, Sorry, was it for, for Our Town? For, no, I, th- no, it was going my way with Bing Crosby where he okay. played a priest. He played the old priest and Bing Crosby played the young priest. And, uh, yes, you're
0: absolutely right. Plays. I'm sorry. What am I thinking of? Thinking you something else? I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. He won for, he won for go. Yeah, you're right. In fact, that was, that was a weird one because he was nominated for best yes. supporting actor and best actor. He won for best supporting actor. And then the academy changed the rules wisely and said, right. no, you can only, you can only be nominated once for one role. Um, right. Which makes sense.
1: Well, his, it, it, Barry Fitzgerald Fitzgerald was his stage name, and his his born last name was Shields. And his brother is Arthur Shields, who plays uh, the Reverend um, Playfair, uh, the Anglican Reverend. Um, now, interesting about Arthur Shields, uh, he goes back uh, as a as a theater to the Abbey Theater in in Dublin. He was a true Irish Republican Army member before the 1916 revolution. He's a true uh, Irish uh, rebel. Um, but Barry, went, Barry was much older and he went to Hollywood and left and became very, very popular as, as in the 30s, as you can see. Um, but also Maureen O'Hara had her older brother and her younger brother in this film. And her younger brother was play, played the younger priest to Ward Bond, right? So if you recall, Ward Bond was the older priest and very good in his accent, kind of believable, uh, had some of the better lines in the film, I have to say. He was also the narrator. Um, he had a younger priest that's, that is, um, Maureen O'Hara's younger brother. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, also, um, John Ford, as we mentioned earlier, he had his older brother in the role and, in, in one of the featured roles in front of the camera. And he had another younger brother in behind the camera uh, assisting as well. So this is really kind of a family affair.
0: So I did like, I, I did like word bonds performance a lot. I loved having, um, I really enjoyed the scene at the end of the movie where you had, um, The Catholics pretending to be Protestants, which which was a nice touch, and it was also just jarring to see after seeing Belfast so recently, where you're seeing that real divide. You know, probably a more much more authentic divide there, has more of a true story, obviously, but to see it kind of from a more I, idealized uh, situation as the Quiet Man is um, that was an interesting touch too. Um, so I kind of like some of the stuff Ford did there, and it was that was kind of a, a nice kind of cap to the film. So I'll definitely give it credit on
1: that end. Two things though, you brought up something that that does trigger, and I'll I'll be quick. Uh, first of all, this is the first film that had uh, Gaelic Irish in it, so there is a scene with Ward Bond and Mario O'Hara where she's too embarrassed to speak openly about what's going on with her and John Wayne. And of course, Ward Bond spends most of this time, this time movie trying to fish for the giant salmon that's been eluding him for 10 years, which is, is funny. And they switched to Irish for, for a brief spell. That's the first time uh, in movie history. So that was interesting touch. Secondly, they allude to the IRA a few times in this film. Now, this was filmed in 1952, and it takes place in uh, at the filming locations are Galway and Mayo, out in the West. When you refer to Belfast, of course, that's up in Ulster, and that's part of the United Kingdom. So you still had this, this lingering contingent of Irish Republicanism, of uh, seeing it one united country, um, uh, and those who are like, okay, let's let the, let the North be the North, and we're the, our own Republic. So, and it, it's interesting that it's alluded you know the ira is alluded to twice in this film in fact at the end they said if the ira was involved denahher your house would be burned to the ground which is pretty interesting to see cuz i'm sure americans are like what the hell was that all about but he left it in so um yeah and that, in that regard it was uh it was a pretty um interesting film in that regard for its time
0: and we should mention to victor Mc McLagland, who played uh who played Don D- Danaher, the, old, the older brother, yep. he was nominated for an Oscar. And I think he's actually pretty good. It's a pretty tough role to play. He's, he's just kind of an asshole the entire time. Um, but he, right. he he goes all in and, and he, I don't think that role was written particularly well. Um, and But he does a really good job with it. He does the best I think you could do with a role like that.
1: Well, Victor McLaughlin too was 64 at the time of filming and he was one of Ford's staple actors. In fact, I, I think he won, I might know I have to check this. Uh, he won an Academy Award for The Outsider, which is also an Irish That's film right. made by John Ford. The, back Informer. In the Early 30s or mid 30s. The Informer, sorry.
0: I've never uh, seen that.
1: I haven't either, but it's on my to watch list. Um, but anyway, uh, he was in very poor health at the time. And a lot of the fight scenes and such were had to be filmed very carefully with stuntmen. You could see it a little bit in some of the action scenes. Um, and, and Ford was merciless to him. He, uh he'd go to him all over the set you know we're calling him you know hey fat man get in shape old man you know do do your job old man uh, he was he was john ford was not easy to work for but McLaughlin, you know was one of his his, his uh, stable of actors that knew how to work with him but um he did he, you know he he plays a comedic asshole. yeah you're right a comedic <laughs> right <laughs> uh, and, and- difficult character
0: Yes, someone who's just not likable at all, uh, especially for if you're watching some American audience, you don't really understand a lot of the stuff that's so important to him either. Um, and right. but he's not going to have like the the softness of a Marina Harris, so he's ha- having to play that role, just having to go be violent about it too. You know where he, where he's t- always antagonizing John Wayne, so he d- he does a he does a good job. He didn't win the Academy Award, but at least was nominated that year. Um, Ned, thank you so much for joining me. Are you gonna are you gonna come on for Singing in the Rain? You gonna come back on next month, or you gonna am I gonna get you dragged to the theaters for that one? Okay. I see, that, I, I, I see, uh, I see his uh, face. Chris, is Chris, like, don't make me.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll do my duty. If you ask me, Chris, but it's not one of my favorite films. It, it really isn't. Well, I but, have to uh, go. I will. If you, if you want me to do it.
0: I have to go. So,
1: cause, cause I'll, okay. Yes. All right. Then I'll do it with you. Sure.
0: <laughs> I, I I've seen it before. I don't remember. It's been a long time. And I saw it. I don't remember loving it, but I, but maybe if we see it again with new eyes, we'll both walk away with a, a love for singing in the rain. Yeah, Ned's year. already dreading it. Look at his face. I can see his face. It's just like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to see this movie. That's, that's how I feel like <laughs> half the time. Welcome to my world. <laughs> all Welcome right, to your world. Thank you for joining me. Uh, oh, and then let's talk all aboard. Uh, let's talk about your podcast for a second. You got, uh, got some stuff going on over there, right?
1: Yeah, thanks for reminding me because we almost slipped away again. But yes, uh, I, I also have a part-time gig with... Um, Adam from New Jersey, and sometimes Latino Kirk Minahan. We're having a bit of a squabble right now, but uh, the all aboard episode is we record every Wednesday night. We try to drop it before Shabbos on on Friday for Adam because he's our editor. But we do want to point out uh, we in our latest episode that uh, that Latino Kirk Minahan right now is in London and he's connecting today to Vienna, renting a vehicle and he's driving across into Slovenia to spend uh, at least a week uh working with ukrainian refugees at aid camps uh he's looking for donations and we we ask all of you to reach out to him in his dms he'll he will stay in touch uh he will stay in communication as long as he has you know service uh and please we ask everyone to please be generous donate it's a good cause no matter how you feel about this conflict there's still innocent people involved so if you can find something as we come into this easter season to be giving please do so and reach out to latino Kirkmanahan at It's at Kirk Latino. Latino. So at
0: (laughs) K-I-R-K-L-A-T-I-N-O. And and you can help that cause. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ned. Uh, I will talk to you soon and I will talk to you folks on Tuesday.